Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this class. This is um, Parshas Lech Lecha slash Bikachun. Before I begin, I wanted to thank my sponsors and just um, let everyone know that this class is being learned as a special schos. Refor Shlema for Esther Bela Basrov Kienza, Chai Moshe Yeshua Ben Malka. Also for Yitzchak Shlomo Ben Miriam, Refor Shlema, as well as a Refor Shlema for Malka Dasa Bas Mushka Rus and Mushka Rus Bas Bela Daba, Refor Shlema. And also as a Schos to Ilo Nishma, Yitzchak Menach and Ben Ramir Halivi, Hanvor Bas Asher Enzel, Vigamal Bas Dabi, Zikusil Ben Moshe, from Bas Avram Akoin. And for Aaron Mayer Ben Shalom Ezra. And for Zaman Pankas Ben Simcha, then Hashem should have an Aliyah. And Hashem should just, you know, it should be a schutz for our Klai Yisrael. Okay, so this week's Pasha is Pasha's Lachlacha. But you know what? Before I get into Pasha's I wanted to give do a little, a bit of an imagery exercise, okay? So if you want, you don't have to, just close your eyes. And I want to just take you through something for a minute. You don't have to close your eyes, but you feel better. Like it works better if you do. Okay. So I want you all to imagine right now. Now, most of us listeners here, we're already, you know, we have, you know, we might be in a different stage in our life, but it doesn't matter. So whoever's in this stage, great. You'll feel it. And if even if you're not, go back to it. It's, you know, and let's try to be present in that stage. So I want you all to imagine that you're all young girls looking for a shidduch. And you're like, there's this one family in town who you know is like the family of the century. Everyone knows not because, not only because they are just, you know, so affluent and, you know, everything seems to be just right, but the midos are gold and just the yichos is like, whoa, and everything is just, it, 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 just that family that just is really one of a kind. And you know that they have a boy who's on the market, but you don't even think to yourself, like, me? That, like, what, why would they even consider me? But you know what happens? After a week or two or whatever it is, at a certain time, you come home from work, and your mother tells you, oh, my goodness, you're not going to believe what happened. I got a phone call from the shotgun, and they read, they read, they read him, they read that boy, that boy. He gave a yes, and you and your mother, you're jumping up and down, oh, my gosh, oh, my You want to give a yes on the spot. You're like, oh my gosh, like, of course, of course. Like we know, like every, he's in the top yeshiva. He is, his derech is like amazing. Everyone knows he's in camp. They love him. And his, his oh, everything just is just perfect. You wait, you, you're like, you say, okay, we're going to look into it. We're going to call the Rebbe. We're going to call the people on his resume, right? You pretend you're going through all the things. You know, you make a phone call too because you have to, but you know you are just jumping up and down. You cannot believe that they actually came, that this boy is giving you a yes. Huh? You finally call back. You know, you pretend like, as a, okay, we thought about it. And yes, we're going to go ahead with it. We'd like to give you a yes and set up the first date. The first date comes. It is amazing, easy, smooth. He's everything you dreamed of, everything that they said, that you heard. It's matching up. It's too good to be true. One day goes to the next, the next, the next. Study Sharm checks. Everything's amazing. Before you know it, they're talking l'chaim, and you're like not breathing. It's still like you're pinching yourself. Like that. him, me, whoa. The day comes. Finally, it's your l'chaim. It's your vart. Oh, you're so excited. You're floating through the engagement time. And before you know it, it's 
your wedding day. Now, it's not just your wedding day. It's like the whole neighborhood seems to like be going to this wedding. And it's for you. And you can't believe it. And you're getting ready. You're here. You make up your dress. Stunning. Everything is like, oh, dream. Absolute dream. And you walk in with your mother and your mother and you're sitting and everyone's coming. The whole entire world is there. People you didn't even know. People flying in from Canada, wherever. Or you know with the Badekin, the music starts and you see him. You didn't see him in a whole week. And you again, you're like just overflowing with tremendous Hakar Satov to Hashem. And you still can't believe it. Could this be actually happening to me? Comes, he badeks you. You're smiling from ear to ear. It's just, it's just beyond an out-of-body experience. Anyways, you go to the room to have last few minutes with your parents and you're sitting in the room and all of a sudden your father walks in and he has like this look on his face and you're like, is everything okay? And he's like, um, no. So no, everything is not okay. I need you to listen to me very carefully. You're not marrying him. And you're like, what? What? Yeah, you heard me. You're not marrying him. You know who's going to marry him? Your sister. Your sister's going to marry him. I want you to take your dress off right now. I want you to switch right now. And you're like, but what? What? Right now. And that's an order. <laughs> this exercise was done to me when I was actually in seminary. I went to Mahon Seminary and Mrs. Rubin actually was the teacher. She taught us Navi. And she gave this over. And I remember we're sitting there and we're like, what? Right? And then we opened our eyes and she looked at us and she said, that is what happened to Rachel Imino. And we were like, whoa, we never felt it. You know, from when you're in kindergarten, you're having a mock wedding for Rifka and, you know, and, and, and you're, you're all excited and, 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 you know, you have that whole thing and, the, and, and you learn Rachel, Leah, they were sisters and Leah was going to marry Esau and you just learn it and learn it. And it's just like, yeah, and that's what happened. And Rachel gave Yaakov to Leah and then, and she gave Leah the same on him and she was such a nice, now, when we learned that she wasn't, she she gave it over and she wasn't jealous. We learned that she gave it over with a full heart. She was at peace. It's not, you know, I always say sometimes, you know, imagine you're going to a restaurant, you're sitting in a restaurant with everyone, and all of a sudden, whoever's next to you, whether it be your sister, your kid, whoever it is, takes the whole like milkshake that they just got and they pour it over your white dress, right? But you're in a restaurant, so you're in public. And you'd love your dress. It's brand new. And you're not sure if the cleaners could even take it out. And it was like the last one. Like you can't even get another one. So what do you do? You're in public. You're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, don't worry. It's fine. And you take like paper towels and you're dapping like, don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. And then everyone around is like, wow, look at that girl. She she just got a whole milkshake dumped on top of her. And she was just so relaxed. And like, wow, that I, I want a girl like that for my son, right? That would be a very normal, you know, if if you could, because also, you know, not everyone could even do that. So like get up and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? And that would also be normal. No judgment. It's very, it's, it's not, okay. But of course, the person who is remaining calm is also aware that they're outside and everyone around them is looking at them. They're, they're in a public area, okay? But can the person who was remained calm at the restaurant do the same thing if she was in her own house and her sister took the whole, you know, milkshake and pour it on top of her brand new dress, but she'd still be like, don't worry, it's fine, right? Maybe not. Maybe then she'd get up and be like, oh my gosh, how can you do this to me? My dress, I ruined it, I love it, blah, 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 right? Which is also human nature. I'm not saying anything, you know, human nature, but we're talking about inner me dose and outer me dose. 
right? Now, we always want our outer medius when we're in public to, we want to work on our inner medius so that it should match it, it should become something that we'll do no matter where we are, no matter who's watching us. But when we talk about how, when not we, when the Torah talks about that, Rachel wasn't jealous. And Rachel gave Yaakov happily to Leah and then gave the Simanim. We're talking genuine, not because the whole world may have been staring at her at the time. She would have done it. It was in her heart. The Torah knows it was in her heart. That was her level. And that's the godless of her. And I know I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. That is what is the reason. That is the schus of her that Hashem is going to bring us home. And we need to try to emulate her. And why am I bringing this up? Is because yesterday was her yard site. And I just wanted to bring it down here and just make it real. I like I, That's how I think what during this time and I feel like it helps me when I'm in situations like I want to be like Rachel Minu. I want to be selfless like her and if she could do it we surely can try to do it and it's just really really next level greatness and I really hope that she is a Melissiosher and we can and, and she's going to continue davening on our behalf and I really really hope that Hashem is going to bring us home very very soon moving on now to Parsha Slachlacha so I said last year, but I'm just reiterate certain points that I just love to remind myself because, you know, we see a lot of things all year and then, you know, we forget and it's good to just remind ourselves. So, you know, Lechlech Hashem said, get up and go, go, we're, I don't know. I'm not telling you where you're going, just go. And Avram Avinu is like so comfortable doing Ratzon Hashem, bringing everyone on the Darach and Hashem's like, just get up and go. We learn from here when we get comfortable, we need to, when we get too comfortable, it's not. We, we need to figure out how to get ourselves in an uncomfortable place. What do I mean by that? We need to constantly be working on ourselves, constantly be going, moving forward, constantly. If we're, if we're like, okay, we're at a good place, okay, but then now what can I work on? Now I'm going to take it to the next level. Now I'm going to write something to us to remind ourselves, like, lech lecha, go. Like, you're comfortable now? Okay, now go. Now get up and go. Now get up and work on something else, do something else. And another point I wanted to remind everyone from last year, I believe I brought it up. I heard this all from Mrs. Ami Yagubi, of course, that we, it says in the parish, in, the, in this week's parsha, it says that Avram Avinu, when he went traveling, so leaving um, and going down to Mitzrayim, he traveled and he stayed at certain inns. Now, as he left, he was a poor person when he left. First of all, why did Hashem make him? You know, we know Hashem gave him that bracha that he's going to be wealthy. And he was tremendously wealthy and, you know, have children like the dust and the stars and all that. But he started out as a very, very poor man and a wanderer. And we learn from here, Chazal say that in order for someone to be the ultimate giver, which Avram Avinu, he was like the paradigm of Achnasus Archem and Chesed, they need to know what it feels like to be on the receiving end because then they really have a deep understanding of how to give and why to give and when to give. And that's really why Hashem put him in that place to experience what it feels like to be in need of other people's Chesed, in need of other people's money and other people's kindness because Hashem knew Hashem was prepping him for ultimate greatness and ultimate wealth, but Hashem couldn't give it to him until he really felt it. So if anyone's going through something in their life and they're feeling like, I, you know, Hashem, I'm davening. I really want to be on the other end. I really want to have these things work out for me, Hashem. Like I'm struggling for so long. 
like keep we can keep dabbling but also feel like you know it's like okay so there's a reason why I'm struggling maybe there's something I need to tap into myself to learn about myself maybe there's something that I'm doing wrong maybe um maybe you know I'm not being giving in a certain way maybe I don't really relate to someone else who's needy in a different way so Hashem is making us feel needy in this kind of way so that we can like kind of wake us up and be like okay so when that person needs a favor you know I'm gonna jump in and because I know what it feels like to need of course we always say you know that bracha you know Hashem should bless you and you should never be on the giving on the you should never be on the receiving end and may you always be on the giving end right and ultimately right like we dive in lowly day nisayon don't give us a nisayon but which we know that once we get a nisayon and we, we beat the nisayon we're at a much better place than when we were before so of course it all boils it all comes back to what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right well these things, all these struggles, it actually shapes us and it gets us on the place where we're, Hashem's trying to get us, you know, to on a certain direct so that we can fulfill our task at each and every one of us. So it's just a way to look at if we're, anyone is feeling a certain sense of neediness and, a certain, and it makes them a little bit you know, sad or frustrated, you know, think of Avram Avinu. He was also, he was also on, in that place, but then look what happened, right? In a blink of an eye from one minute to the next. Um, um, Paro like gave him tons of money Hashem decided now you will be wealthy and boom right so you know and then one minute Hashem sends the Parnassah one minute Hashem sends the Shurach one minute Hashem sends the Mazel one minute Hashem sends the baby Hashem, right the Shalom bias, whatever it is that a person's down for the the, the household the, the the children the you know the whole dynamic of in one minute Hashem could just obviously we need to do a shadless we need to work on things we can't just let you know dysfunction rule and be like you know one minute Hashem will just like boop the kids will be sleeping on time Obviously, we need to use our seichel, but just to have a new perspective of, you know, when we're struggling, like, okay, so we're going to feel it, and I'm going to try to do my best with it and become a better person through it. And that might be exactly what Hashem is waiting for us to do to be able to give us the bracha and the shefa that we're diving for. Then it goes on to say that when he was very, as he was going down, he stayed at certain inns. I like to call like, you know, inns hotels, right? I just like to make it very real. And they, he was very poor. So he stayed at the lowest, cheapest hotels. But when he left Mitzrayim, he was extremely wealthy. And it brings down specifically that he stayed at the exact same inns that he stayed at going back when he came. Why does it say that? Because many times when people become all of a sudden in a better place, they forget, or actually, no, I'd rather say it like this. The lesson is don't forget the people who helped you when you were in a place of need, when you are on the other side and don't need anymore. And I, across the board in life, right? When we sometimes are going through a situation and you know a friend of yours experienced that situation. So all of a sudden you're talking to her every day because she could really help you. And what happens when you talk to someone every day? A relationship starts to cultivate. That's just really how relationships happen. When you see someone every day, you interact and exchange conversation and talk about whatever. And all of a sudden you you know you have this beautiful relationship and you're you know you developed a friendship. So if a person's in a state of need because all of a sudden let's say you know they're, you know, baking challah and they don't really know what they're doing. So they call up their friend who has the most delicious challah. And every week they're like, okay, I'm going to bake. So tell me, remind me, how do I do it? How much sugar, how much cheese? And it's all of a sudden, you know, you you need this friend. And all of a sudden when you get the challah down pat and you don't need her anymore, you're just like, ah. And you see her, you're like, hi. And you kind of cross the street. You don't really feel like you need her so much. Don't forget the people who helped you. We need to, you know, as we make friends, as we, we need to just keep everyone. And the heart's big very big we can we can you know it can extend and it's just a lesson like don't forget about the people who helped you 
when you're in time of need, when you're not in a time of need. And I love that. Uh, and okay, the next the next topic I, I wanted to discuss, I actually saw this, I read this, this new book. I love it. Let me show you. It's called Parsha in Pink. It's like on the Parsha for women, particularly like special, like women's rushes, you know, and um, it talks about Neflacha, just something very interesting. I know who the writer is. Um, oh, Rebecca Mindy Bodner Lankry. That's who it is. So she has this, um, she writes very interestingly. She said when she went to seminary, I think it was in Gateshead. She, yeah, she went to Gateshead and the culture there is very different, the way they talk. And she was listening to some of her friends talk and they, you know, had just started seminary and they had different teachers and rabbis and a group of girls were discussing how gorgeous the rabbi was. Oh, that rabbi, he is so gorgeous. And she was like, what? Like her eyes, like, what? You're talking about like how, like, first of all, who even, that's so not appropriate. It's so disrespectful. Like how... And she, and the look of her face, she was like, she, like, she stopped them. And then they looked at her and they started laughing. And they're like, oh, in London, when they mean, when they say gorgeous, that means, you know, pious. It means great. It means like a tzaddik. It means like, like it, it, it means like, you know, holy. That's what it meant. That's what they were saying. They were, they weren't talking about his outer appearance that he's, you know, he's a rabbi. Like she was, she even said like he had, like he was an older man. Like, like it was so weird that they were like talking how gorgeous the rabbi was. And then she started laughing and they started laughing. And we have different, you know, when we say someone's gorgeous, many times we are talking about the exterior. And in London, gorgeous is for the interior, for the person's essence, for the person's midos, for the person. And she said it was just such an eye-opening, like, kind of situation for her because, you know, like, it was a cute story. And and it actually ties into this week's Parsha because it's brought down that Avram Avinu, when he was going down with Sarah, he noticed her complexion in the water and he was like, oh no, my wife's gorgeous. My wife's so beautiful. I, what am I going to do? Power is going to, they're going to take her. They're going to take her in, in mid time. What should I do? And the question is, he married, he was already married to her. It's the first time he saw her, you know, like maybe if he's on such a level um, and he didn't really look so much at her for sure. He glanced at her once before he got married or at least once while she was married to him, he was married to her, right? What, why why all of a sudden the the reaction like how like he never saw her it's a good question and the answer is um i forgot who says the answer i like to source things um okay i don't know who says it but someone in this in in this book i'm sure it's sourced that avram avinu when he married sarah he noticed her inner beauty her inner beauty, that's what he saw. He didn't, like, he wasn't an external person. He didn't even, like, notice. Of course he looked at her. But he saw her inner beauty. And that's all, he's, like, that was all that was important to him. He never focused on that. And then when he they were going down to Mitzrayim and he saw her reflection, that's when, for the first time, he realized, oh, my gosh, like, she's her physical beauty is just as gorgeous. Oh, my goodness, we might be in trouble here. So, it's talking about like the two types of beauties and it's something to just like, like, I, I just thought that was very interesting. You know, it's like, yeah, of course he looked at her. Of course he noticed her, but it's the insides of a person that is most important to beautify. And I find that many times we're very busy and it's okay because we live in this very physical world and Hashem wants us, you know, um, to, to be a kid Hashem and to walk and look put together and beautiful. And, and that's all okay. But it's just like, 
there's a physical beauty that we work on. And then there's an internal beauty that we work on. And it's just like, this made me think, you know, how much do I, how much effort do I put into my internal beauty? Like I know every day, no matter what, when I walk out of my house, my makeup is on. I, I, you know, I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to go teach and be like, Oh, I forgot to put on makeup. Just don't mind me. Just don't look like, don't worry. It's fine. It doesn't matter what I look like. I have so much, I have so many good things to share. Just, you know, just let's carry on. Of course not. Like I will make sure that I look a certain way, presentable in a certain way. You know, the question is, what about if I'm rushing and I can't get to Davin? What if I'm rushing and, you know, and, and it's like I leave all harried and, 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 um, and my kids in the morning, I feel the, the tension. That's not beautiful. Like, I feel like we need to work on the inner beauty, the beauty of the midos, of the soul, of the heart, the beauty of the calm. Just, it's just as important, that beauty, as the physical beauty. That's just what I thought of when I, when I thought of this, um, when, I, when I read this idea and another interesting thing i'm just going to share very quickly i heard from rabbi joey hebrew this week he says that when they read the parsha directly the first time sukkim it talks about where avram went right and all of a sudden it brings up like these these um rashi says like these certain things about certain places with where he did that having to do with things that were going to happen much 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 later so for example, that he went, you know, he was traveling and he reached Shem and he davened there. And Rashi says that he davened because that was weird. They took Dina. Shem took Dina. And then again, it says, you know, and then he was walking, 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 and he stopped and he built a Mizbeach. Why? Because Yosh, when Yoshua took over the country, he, they went to fight Yericho and Hashem told Yoshua, tell everyone not to touch anything from that land, from that city that they're going to destroy. And Achan did, Achan did. And it caused everyone the next war, the Bnei Saul to lose. So, like Rabbi Joy Hebrew was like, "What Shaykhis? Like, what does this have to do? Like, Avram Avinu, this is like years. He doesn't even have Yitzchak yet. He doesn't even go through like, like, why are we bringing up all these things that are happening? Going to happen a billion years later? And there's one reason that Hashem was trying to show us, and Avram Avinu is trying to show us that. Okay, the thing with Shem and Dina is that Shem wanted to marry Dina. Shem uh, went over to Yaakov and said, have a good idea. Why don't we marry you? You marry us. And we're going to like, you know, inter intermarry and we're going to have a greater nation. And Yaakov and obviously B'nai Yaakov said no way and they went to war. So Avram's telling us, we cannot mingle. We are strong when we stand together, when we stand alone together. We need to realize that we are a nation and we can, we need to insulate ourselves. And the more we kind of go outward and look at the outside world and what they're doing and bring it in, which in, it does inevitably happen, the weaker we become. So that was a uh, basically what Avram Avina was trying to teach us, that we need to stand by ourselves. No, we cannot intermarry, even though it sounds so amazing. Shem is so strong. and nah, nah. No. And then and then why, what, with Achan that he took the spoils? Because Hashem saying, no, you can't enjoy their stuff. You can't look at what they're doing and say, oh, I can enjoy it too. I can do it too. We can't. And I feel like we live in a very scary world as far as, you know, with all the social media. You could really now go and follow whoever you want and, like, follow them around and, like, almost, like, see exactly their life. And it's very dangerous. We're getting into their places. We're, we're seeing what they're doing and... It's just not good. So the main lesson was that we need to like 
insulate ourselves and really try our best not to see the outside and bring it in and to remember that we stand together alone and that is really what fortifies us and we really just need to together as a people which what we're doing we are we are really coming together but actus i mean the actus level is like beyond i i I, it makes me i i feel so it's a good feeling to feel like no matter like like we're just in this together we're all fighting for the same thing and we all just want mashiach and it's so beautiful but that's really the lesson from lechacha that to remind us that we really need to like not do whatever we can to just like not pay attention to the outside and to like get involved in the outside nations and see what they're doing and get excited about the things that they have and do and you know and and try to keep ourselves as insulated as possible now just moving on very quickly to bitachon very quickly what are we at okay one like one more minute just on bitachon just because you know we're at a a time now where we all want rachamim from hashem we all want protection from hashem and bitachon is um something that the chavis time says that if you learn it it is matzachim so we are going to learn it a little bit slowly so that it really, really, you know, penetrates our hearts and our minds. So the Beis Halevi says that bitachon have a mitzvah, bitachon is a mitzvah. And we learn from this that it is navera if you lack bitachon. And it's very hard to sometimes have bitachon because, again, it's it's not like we don't see Hashem, like, you know, and we have to rely on him. But because it's a mitzvah, we're going to work at it and we're going to learn it and then for every minute and every second, we're working on it and learning it and thinking about it. It's a tremendous mitzvah. So the Chovas HaVav of Shari talks about, that was written by Rabbi Nubachya, that there are spiritual and physical benefits to having bitachon. So not only is Hashem saying, like, you know, I want you to have one bitachon and you're going to find favor in my eyes and therefore I will protect you and watch over you and everything will be good for you. Hashem's also saying there are also spiritual benefits and physical benefits. So we're just going to go through the first spiritual benefit is that menuchas nafsho mehen that it will bring you to a peace of, of, of mind, a peace of, uh, um, a certain sense of peace within, menuchas hanafesh, and that is ultimately we all want. We just want to be happy and calm and relaxed. That's really the goal. If everyone can for themselves a minute, I think they'll all agree. So how do we attain that? How do we, how do we create this? How do we bring it on? First of all, deep breathing. Deep breathing helps breathing and also just reminding ourselves that we need to rely on Hashem like a servant relies on his master they're not worried that the master will forget something or not have a certain thing that they need to do and not have the supplies obviously if the master doesn't have the supplies then the servant doesn't will not have to do it so really to just try to remember that and try to really put it into our day today to just kind of relax us and say like, okay, Hashem, I'm relying on you. I'm falling into your embrace. I'm falling just like, you know, hold me, carry me. And just something that is Arab Shabbos is that Mrs. Leshkowitz, Leshkowitz, sorry, from the Chal Lady. I think that's name, right? Sorry, the Chal Lady. Um, she says when we're putting on the white tablecloth on our table, we should have like the tefillah that Hashem should wrap us all in a, in a, in a like wrap us up like in his shechina, like we're wrapping, like we're covering the table in white. Hashem should wrap us will up all us, our children, our families, our homes, and just bring us in close and hold us tight and close and protect us all. And with that, I will end. Thank you all so much for joining. Have a good Chavez. I will see you Thank all. Thank you. Thank you, good Chavez. Thank you, Hindi. Good Chavez.